0: Hi there, welcome to Gleneagles Baptist Church's Podcast Network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I um, I woke up this morning a little bit early, which was disappointing. Uh, but I didn't have an intro for my sermon, Uh, but this one came out of sleep, so that was wonderful. Um, I remember the second sermon I ever preached. It was uh, while I was doing my training um, at Northgate Baptist up in Silverdale, and um, the sermon was on integrity, and we were in this uh, system uh, where the morning service and the evening service had the same message preached by the same uh, person, Um, except I was a chef and working Sunday mornings, um, so I just got the evening slot, but we still had to have the same message preached. And so the pastor did all the work, which was wonderful, um, and just hands me his sermon word for word, um, and he's like, just preach this, you'll be fine, um, on integrity, and just get up there and be yourself and, and preach my sermon. And I remember that day because that day of work was particularly uh, terribly busy, um, the kitchen hand hadn't come in, um, and so we were all doing multiple jobs—cooking and, and cleaning, and and running out and, and getting orders, and, and going downstairs. and And we had this massive order of mussels. And mussels are one of the reasons why you have a kitchen hand um, in a restaurant because no one likes cleaning mussels. No one likes debiating mussels and then getting the smell off you afterwards. It's one of the worst jobs. And I remember just after lunch, the, the head chef, he had had enough, so the, the orders died down, and, and he went home. Um, and so it was me uh, and, and another chef, um, and, and it died down, and, and we started to get some jobs done, but I thought, I'll just leave the muscles a little bit longer. Um, and then the orders picked up again, and it, it, we were getting uh, slammed. And, and, and it was 30 minutes till home time, and I hadn't had a break yet, and I hadn't done all my jobs, and I hadn't touched the muscles. And I just thought that's tomorrow's job. We'll have a kitchen hand tomorrow. I'm going home because, because I'm preaching tonight on integrity. And so I put them back in the chiller. I clock out and I go home. And just before I get up to preach, like literally five minutes before I get up to preach, I get this message from the boss who had to go back in. Because 10 minutes after I left early, the other chef cut himself quite badly needed to go to hospital, they had a significant order of seafood uh, chowder, which needed mussels. And he gave it to me, Like he, just by text, which was like way nicer than in person, right? But he gave it to me, and it was well-deserved. And just before I got up to preach someone else's message on integrity, I was being called out for my lack of it. And I remember that day, and I've never read another person's sermon since... And now I buy all my muscles from the supermarket and the little bottles. <laughs> we return back to our Revelation series today, continuing to look uh, at the letters to the seven churches. And today we are looking at the letter to the church in Pergamum, the church that had compromised on their integrity. And it's in chapters, chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refused to deny me, even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give you some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each of you a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. As we start today, I want to remind you about a little bit about what Gary spoke on on our intro week to Revelation, Uh, that this is a book written about Jesus. We look for Jesus in the book of Revelation. And we start here with the greeting to the church, From the one with the two edged sword. Now, each of these letters um, to the seven churches, they start with a different greeting, all talking about Jesus. The letter to Ephesus that Gary spoke on a few weeks back says he welcomes us the one who holds the seven stars and the one who walks among the seven lampstands. Gary reminded us that the seven stars were the angels of the churches and the lampstands were the seven churches. And now here we are, the the welcome to the church of Pergamum, the one with the two-edged sword welcomes you. Scripture talks a lot about a two-edged sword. Uh, Hebrews talked about a two-edged sword where God's Word, God's Word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, cuts between joint and marrow. Jesus says in Revelation 1, is the one who wields the two-edged sword. But for the people of Pergamum, the sword was of particular significance because the governor of that time had what was known as the right of the sword. That is, he had the authority to choose who lived and who died. He alone was the one who thought that he wielded the power of life and death. And so Jesus is welcoming the church by saying, I am the one with the twisted I and am the one with ultimate power over life and death. I wield the sharpest sword. And I, Jesus, are the one who holds the power of life and death, not the governor. Jesus is welcoming and putting himself in the right place as the one who we should be submitting to. He is the one of ultimate authority in this church. And we move on. I know you live in the city where Satan has his throne. Pergamum had been built to be a second Athens, the place where the gods lived. And in Pergamum, the main god of worship was Dionysus. And in Pergamum stood a beautiful temple with a majestic throne that was dedicated to Dionysus, and it stood prominently on the Acropolis. This throne is where the seat of Satan is said to be. Dionysus was believed to be the son of Zeus and a human mother, and and he offered his followers life after death. And he offered meaningful life on earth through indulgence in raw meat and wine. One of Dionysus' powers was that at night, he could turn the water into wine. And according to the cult of Dionysus, the followers who drank wine to excess literally became one, With Dionysus. So worshippers would gather around the altar, gorge on the raw meat that had been offered to him, and drink until they became intoxicated. And during festivals, women would drink wine and run through the hills screaming and dancing and committing sexual immorality with men as well, because often it takes two or more to tango in Dionysus's cult. And so this worship was wild, the contests say. It was outlawed in Rome. Because of how immoral it was considered. The worship of this God here in Pergamum was outlawed in other places where these gods were also worshipped. And so we have this church where there's followers of Christ. And some had stood firm. Even in the face of execution, they had not given up their faith in Christ. But some had been deceived by these teachings that had come from from the Nicolaitans, from those who who followed the teachings of Dionysus. And really, there's quite a number of similarities, if your faith is not strong, between the way that those who worshiped Dionysus worshipped and and how these new Christians were worshipping. You could see, if you were new to faith, how these could be mixed around, how they could be confused, how you might take a, a sprinkle of these teachings here and you might want to sprinkle from over here And by doing so, they are taking the truth of Christ. They were creating their own truths. They were creating their own gods and their own religions to follow. And this was infiltrating the church. And so what were these similarities? Jesus Jesus was born of a, a heavenly father and an earthly mother. So too was Dionysus. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. This was a, a, a miracle also attributed to Dionysus on a regular occurrence. When Jesus took communion, he said, take this wine, this is my blood, take this bread, this is my body, and invites us to become one in Jesus, as the Scriptures say we are to do. But following the teachings of Dionysus, when, we, when they drink, they literally become one with Dionysus. Even the early church had disagreements about whether or not communion was literally the blood and body of Christ or just symbolically the blood and body of Christ. And, and even today, in fact, you can still see uh, these competing values on what communion is. Um, is it literally Christ's body and blood or is it just a, a, a symbolic act that we do? And so there's all this confusion. There's, there's new Christians who are taking a bit of this one and a bit of this one, and you can see how it works. Even in the face of stoning, there's these Christians who are holding strong, but there's ones who are letting these other false teachings in. And I love the faces that you're giving me, some of you, because there's this complaint, this false teaching was tolerated, right? And the word tolerate, tolerate, that's this dangerous word in society now, isn't it? Steve, I love that grin, mate. It shows me I'm right. This, This word tolerate, it gets thrown around like a hand grenade that ends up exploding on everyone. And I think perhaps the Western church has confused loving the world like Christ inspires us to and tolerating false teaching and false behavior from all sides. That isn't behavior that points people towards and it doesn't draw people towards Christ. And we've become... We've confused loving and toleration. And so to make sure you can weed out false teaching, you need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe it. And then you need to know why you're living out what you believe. Because what we believe, the very core of who we are, what is deep down inside us, will drive what we do. If we don't have these, these core beliefs of Christ in our hearts deep down inside, we can be swayed by the masses. We can, we can see the popular trends and be swept up one way or another. We see it more and more these days, and I think as, as society moves further and further away from God, and as a number of God's communities continue to move further and further away from the God that we met as Jesus, that we celebrated last week, we see society going one way And the church becoming less relevant because they're going the other and sometimes when i see the actions and when i hear the way that jesus and the gospel is is sometimes spoken about in public i can see why society wants to move further and further away from the church because the beliefs that we're hearing are inconsistent the unity is lost the message is muddled the church in the west the church in this country It isn't all too far away from what the church in Pergamum looks like. And so we've just had a little ancient history lesson about how people worship back then. And now we're going to have a little New Zealand Baptist history lesson. How does that sound? A couple of giggles. What do we believe and practice here at Glen Eden Baptist? What do we believe here and practice because we are a Baptist church here in Glen Eden? Are our beliefs different to our practices? As a Baptist church, we are part of, of the Baptist Union of New Zealand. Is everyone aware of that? Some people, most people. And, and so there's this, to be part of the Baptist Union of New Zealand, we agree that there are six articles of faith that we all agree on. In fact, it's these six things that hold us together in unity. It's stated as part of our practices. It's actually part of New Zealand law, as part of the Baptist Act of Incorporation 1923. We share these beliefs and these practices together. You can go to Tirarangi Baptist, you can go to Northgate Baptist, you can hit up the South Island, go to Nelson Baptist, Dunedin Central Baptist. Every Baptist church that as part of the Baptist Union of New Zealand will have these six core articles of faith as part of their constitution or a very closely supported document. And so what are these beliefs? Now it's your turn. <laughs> what do we believe? Uh, it's not your turn. I probably should have done a PowerPoint. The one time I should have done a PowerPoint. We believe. I'm going I'm to read them to you and you can see if you agree with them. I really hope you agree with him, especially if you're a partner. We believe the inspiration of the Bible and its authority in all matters of life and practice. What does that mean, Shannon? That's a mouthful. It was written in 1923. The Bible was written by humans and inspired by God, and it is God's word to us. It is God's story of himself revealing himself and showing us the best way to live in all matters of faith and practice. Yeah? The Bible is a good, good book. Read it. Please. We believe. We believe the true humanity and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was fully God. And he was fully man. That Christ came from the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit. He was fully God while being fully man. He wasn't half God. He didn't turn on his God switch when he needed it and off when he didn't need it. He was 100% God, 100% man, 100% both, 100% of the time. God, boy. We believe the atonement made by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of the world. This was our celebration last week, right? Jesus died for our sins. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, showing us how to be led by Holy Spirit. And when his time came, he, the perfect sacrifice, the only possible sacrifice for the sins of the world, he chose the cross and he chose us. We believe. We believe salvation by faith in Christ alone. You can't buy your way to heaven You alone can never be good enough. You can't work your way there, you can't cheat your way there, or trick your way there, or purchase enough goodwill to get there. Heaven is by accepting Christ's invitation to you, putting your faith in Him, your trust in Him, and receiving His Spirit to shape and change and transform you. It's all Jesus. It's ever only Jesus. It's never not Jesus we believe, membership in the church and the Christian church for the regenerate. What? What? I love this wording, you know. What on earth does this mean? It means that once you've responded to Jesus' invitation to be Lord, that you should be part of a community of people who love Jesus. That once you've accepted his invitation, we believe you should be part of a community that points towards him, that teaches him, that loves him, and helps grow you, and you help grow others. We believe that you should put your roots down to grow strong in your faith and to help others grow strong in theirs. We believe in the church, and we believe that you should be an active part in it. We are created for community. We are created in community. And we operate best when we're in a community of people that love God and love each other. We believe the immersion of believers is the only scriptural form of baptism. This one is fun, and it gets a little bit hairy amongst Baptists, and I might explain a little bit why, a little lower down. We believe that baptism is to go fully into the water and under the water. We believe that baptism is a choice made by those who already believe in Christ's salvation for them. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision. And it is an act performed by an individual, but with someone doing the baptizing of them. This is why when when you see a baptism here, and I believe we have some more coming up. Very exciting. We'll hear a question similar to, do you confess Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? It's why we don't baptize newborns. It's why we don't baptize people on behalf of other family members. We baptize individuals after their confession of faith as an outward response to an inward transformation that Holy Spirit is doing in their lives. These are what we believe because we are part of the Baptist Union of New Zealand. This joins us and this unites us. And then the union, in turn, turns around and says that the union fully recognizes that every separate church has liberty to interpret and administer the laws of Christ, and that the immersion of believers is the only Christian baptism. And that's wonderful. It means for us that there's no centralized body saying, this is what you must preach, and this is how you must share, and this is the exact work that you must do in your community. We, the church, we, the church members, more specifically, seek Christ. We respond to what he is doing amongst us. And collectively, we respond, we agree, and we go. And if we don't agree, we go back to praying until there is consensus. It's wonderful. and We have an AGM coming up. We believe that we all have the ability to hear Christ. All of us have the ability to hear Christ. And collectively, we discern his will for us. And collectively, we do that here at GEBC. And collectively, we move forward into his future. That's what being part of this church is about. That's where our beliefs sit. And we need to know our beliefs so we can act on them. So so when those come to say, did God really say that? The same question that the serpent asked Eve in the garden. We collectively can say, yes, he did say that. Because collectively we came together and sought Christ's mind and will for us. We get to say, because that's how God invited us, or that's how God instructed us into our community. We get to share together and share with those who are new. This is what God is saying, that's what it means to be part of the truth. Uh, part of the church, and when people come with false teachings or half-truths and requests for toleration or accusations of toleration or intoleration, we get to hold true to what Scripture says, what God says, and we get to stand strong together with each other. And we grow together, we learn together, we follow together, we live together, and we love together. And we point those that God loves that don't know God yet towards him. And we do that together. Know those beliefs. Live those beliefs. The other beliefs, we get to have a lot of fun working out together. But let's do it together. Let's do it with love. Let's do it in a way that reflects Jesus' love for us to our community. Let's pray. God, Father, Son, Spirit, We believe in you. We love you. We want to be a church that allows those who don't know you yet to respond to your loving invitation. Help us be a people that act out what we believe because the truth of you burns firmly within our hearts, burns from the core of who we are. Help us to be people that shine your love, that shine your message of hope, that allow people to be transformed into the people you have created them to be. Help us hear you, help us respond to you, help us love through you. Amen. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gevc.org.nz. hope you have a great day.